We started last week from Matthew 5 talking about the Beatitudes, and I'd like to continue that today. I'd like to ask you to turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to read verses 1 through 4 and uh, really, really highlight Jesus' second Beatitude uh, this morning, which I'm sure many of us have heard the Beatitudes read time and time again, especially on special occasions, uh, weddings, funerals, things like that. Uh, But I really felt it was necessary in this season for us to get reacquainted with some foundational elements of our faith, not just as a belief system, but as a lifestyle. Amen? Because Christianity is not just a system of belief. It's not just a religious practice. It is a lifestyle. So it's a good time to say amen. It is a lifestyle. It's something that we live. It's something that we do day in and day out, seven days a week. We don't, we don't take breaks from it. It's, it's our lives. It's our lifestyles. And when we want to read about the Christian lifestyle, there is no better place to turn in Scripture than Jesus' first big sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. And he begins with the Beatitudes. He gives us 10 really big points to the first portion of his first big sermon. So I want to dive into point two. I spoke on point one last week, which was blessed are the poor in spirit. You can get that on podcast if you want to go back and re-listen. But I really want to dive into the second beatitude today. So to read it in context, let's go to Matthew 5, and we're going to read verse 1 through 4. If you're there, say amen. If you're ready to read it, say amen. Awesome. Here we go. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed. Everybody say happy. Because that's what that word actually means. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Let's read that last part together. For they shall be comforted. One more time, please. For they shall be comforted. Jesus, we thank you for your promise of comfort. We thank you that when we come to you in mourning, you delight in sharing your comfort. Jesus, we ask today that your word would transform us. That the seed of your word would be sown into the rich soil of our hearts. And that you would bring forth great fruit in our lifestyles. That this would change how we think, how we believe, how we feel, how we respond. And that you would transform us by the renewing of our mind today. God, we devote and dedicate this time to you. And we declare you receiving your glory as a result of it. God, anoint me today. Anoint us today. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. title of my message today is, For They Shall Be Comforted. You know, to be honest, these verses are extremely prophetic for us right now. As you know, as a result of watching the news and watching this video, Hurricane Harvey absolutely devastated a majority of the city of Houston and the surrounding areas. 
The people who live there are mourning and they need comfort. Amen? Amen. When we drove down to the Houston area, I mean, we had 10 men in a 16-passenger van. How many of you guys know that was a party bus? Like, we had a blast, man. It smelled in there, but we were having so much fun. You know, we were listening to worship and having good conversation. And there was a lot of people there that had never previously spent a lot of time with one another. So they were getting to know each other. We were having fun. But as soon as we drove into the very first neighborhood of Vider, Texas, we got an eyeful, an eyeful of the devastation. We started to look around, and every single house that we passed was completely hollowed out. I mean, all of their keepsakes, all of their treasures, their homes completely destroyed and vacated. We watched as people in mass safety goggles, they had gloves on, they were removing pictures of their children, removing you know, family keepsakes, removing walls down, and they were putting everything that they had out at the curb uh, for trash. These people, they were in need of comfort. We talked to them. Some of them were homeowners that had been turned homeless. They needed comfort. We talked to people who lived in the area. They needed comfort. We talked to parents. We talked to kids. We talked to church members. We talked to pastors. We even talked to military people, um, armed forces people, FBI people. All of these people that we spoke with all needed comfort. They were all in mourning. They all needed comfort. And um, that was pretty much... The environment and an atmosphere of mourning that required comfort. And that's what's happening right now in Florida as people are bracing for impact for Hurricane Irma. They, they are mourning, they are afraid, and they are in need of comfort. We have some of our dear friends, the Martinez family. They've preached here before. We've been praying with them. I've spoken with them yesterday. They got their houses boarded up down there. You know, we're praying for them. I was texting with them during church, telling them, hey, we're praying for you guys. We're covering you guys. And they need comfort. Amen? They need comfort. Uh, we, we had a team that stayed until Friday night. Uh, they, got, they arrived back home Friday night. They went down for Harvey. Uh, Pastor Asaph and I, we had to leave early, not only to, to uh, prepare for the weekend, but uh, my wife and I had a death in the family, and so we returned back to be a part of the funeral. Uh, Allison's aunt, Lori, passed away from a long battle with cancer. And so as we returned, this verse of Scripture became very real and very prophetic for me all the more, and that I saw and hung out and spent time with people who were mourning and people who were in need of comfort. Even just this week, we've had other deaths in our community, people, family members who need comfort. And here's the thing that Jesus gives us when we are in need of comfort. He gives us a promise. It's not a rule. It's not a regulation. It's a promise. It's, It's an invitation, and it's also an announcement. He says, when we mourn, we shall be comforted. Notice that there's no gray area in this announcement. There's no probably. There's no maybe. It's not like, hey, when you mourn, you might get comforted. Maybe you'll be comforted. If you've been on your best behavior, then I'll comfort you. If you've been reading the Bible enough, then I'll comfort you. If you fasted recently or prayed to meet the quota I've given you, then I'll comfort you. That's not what Jesus is telling us. He's telling us that when we mourn, it is a promise that he personally gives to us that we shall receive comfort personally from him. For they shall be comforted. 
That, that is a promise from heaven that when we mourn, we will receive comfort. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I don't like to mourn. I don't think that many people would raise their hand in here and say, yeah, I just enjoy that. I like to mourn because it's not popular in our culture to mourn. It's not popular. It's not pretty. It's not fancy. It doesn't look good to be vulnerable, to be in pain, to be transparent, to cry, to weep in public, to weep with our community, to weep with our family. It's not popular to mourn. I don't know many people who like to mourn. Anybody in here? And Jesus always comforts us when we mourn, but in order to receive the comfort, we actually have to get honest about the mourning itself. We have to be brave with our mourning. And because it's not relevant, because it's not popular to mourn on social media, it doesn't make for a very good Instagram post, we don't mourn publicly. It's not even popular in our church culture to mourn. Amen? It's not even popular in our religious culture to mourn because there's even a pressure that has made its way into the church community that says you have to have it all together. You always have to have your best face on. You always have to be happy. You always have to be joyful. You always have to have it just you're on top of the world, man. You can't admit any weakness. You know, you have to come to church. People say, how are you going? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. I'm doing so good. And you just had a fight with your wife on the way to church. You know, hey, man, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. I'm blessed. Praise God. God's been good to me. Hallelujah, man. Everything's been good. It's awesome, man. But you know, at home, like bank account ain't looking good. House is a mess. You don't have any new clothes for the kids to go to school next week. Everything's going bad. But bless the Lord, man, I'm fine. I'm good. All is well. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? So it's not popular. It's, it's not a popular topic to talk about mourning. And because it's not popular and because it's so hard to mourn and because we're afraid to mourn and because we're scared of pain, what we do is we, we've adopted a philosophy that we live in a constant state of denial when it comes to pain and mourning. And, and here's how we do this. Uh, when we live in this place of denial, it, it usually... Uh, looks like this. Hey, you doing okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Hey, 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 you good? Yeah. Or we binge watch on Netflix. You know, we do like six seasons back to back to back to back to back to back. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Hey, I, I know something terrible happened just recently in your life. Hey, I, I know you, 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 you maybe have a death in the family. Hey, I know you've had a loss. I know you just got fired from your job. You go, yeah, I'm fine. You know, just sitting on the couch, eating a pint of Ben and Jerry's. I'm in my sixth season of, uh, I don't know, what's a popular show right now? Lost. Yeah. Or, what is it? Oh, yeah, Lost is so good. But, but what we do is the, the, both the phone and Netflix or Hulu or alcohol or drugs or sex or whatever it is, we use this as a numbing mechanism to keep us numbed down so that we don't have to confront the pain that's really going on in our own hearts, that we don't have to be present with our community when it comes time to mourn. So what we do is we numb ourselves down with distractions so that we can live in denial so that we never have to get vulnerable enough to truly be seen by both God and our community. 
So when Jesus makes this announcement and said, blessed and happy are those who mourn, what he's telling us is, if we're not willing to get transparent and vulnerable about the mourning itself, then we won't receive the comfort. Jesus wants to give you comfort today if you are in a place of pain. If you are mourning, Jesus wants to be your comfort. But you won't receive the comfort if you're putting your fake face on, stepping forward in the midst of community. And today's a great day because we don't have a lot of people in our 11 a.m. You can just get vulnerable up in here. You can just get real today, you know. You got to be honest about it. You got to be real about it. You got to be open about it. We can't numb ourselves. We can't, you know, binge watch. We can't just sit around on our phones and just ignore the mourning, ignore the pain like nothing's happening. Because if we do that long enough, we'll become shallow people. Even though our goal is not to become shallow, we have far too often become emotionally shallow people trying to ignore the biblical value of mourning. The book of Lamentations has no place in our culture. It has no place in our church culture. We don't like that mourning stuff, man. You know, we don't like that pain. We don't like that, that uh, you know, heartbreak. We don't like that heartache. We don't like that anguish. That, that, that's, that's, that I, can't, I can't manage. I can't deal. I can't even. You know what I'm saying? We don't know how to mourn in our culture because we never allow ourselves to. We never allow ourselves to attend to the work of grief. But it is a real work, and mourning was a very real and relevant work to Jesus Christ, which is why he speaks this out as his second most prominent point in his first big sermon on explaining the mystery of his kingdom. He says, blessed are you when you mourn. For you will be comforted. What he's saying is, blessed and happy are those that mourn and are not blessed and happy. What an announcement. What a paradox that we receive from Jesus in this. What a mystery. How unsettling that Jesus would stand up in front of both rich, happy, joyful, religious, got it all together people that never lets anybody ever get a glimpse of their pain or their problems. And he says, blessed are those of you among us today that mourn, for you shall be comforted. This is the word of Jesus Christ. Essentially what he's saying is, hey, blessed are the depressed. Now our culture doesn't want to hear anything about blessing depressive people because what we do is we hide our depressed in a prison You know, and maybe not in the natural, but we sure do in society where we don't let their faces see the light of day. They become an inconvenience rather than an invitation into true and rich fellowship and community with real people who have real problems, who need real help from a real God. But that's what Jesus came announcing. He said, oh, you're depressed. Well, blessed are you. Because when you're open and you're honest about your depression, you've actually set yourself up as a target of God's love for me to rush in with my comfort and let the kingdom of heaven break free for you and heal you and restore you. And that is the good news. That is the gospel. All the religious people are like, this ain't the gospel. That ain't good news to me. I'm so happy. I'm happy all the time. Look at me. You ain't checked out my Instagram feed lately. Obviously. Check out that place I was eating last night. That was awesome. You know what I'm saying? And they're like, this ain't good news. But you know who heard it and said, this is the gospel. The depressed. 
the mourning, the people who had lost loved ones, the people who were sad, the people who just got free of addiction, the people who had lost their identity, the people who had been marginalized by society, the actual poor, the spiritual poor, those that were terrible at being prophetic and didn't know how to use their spiritual gifts. They all heard Jesus' words and they were like, wow, God loves me. I'm blessed. And that's why it's the gospel. That's why it's good news because Jesus looks at those whose society has pushed aside and pulls them toward himself. He says, oh, you're depressed? You're who I've been looking for. You're who I went to the cross for. Let me draw you to myself and begin to speak to you these words of life. Oh, you're depressed? You're in mourning? Here's my comfort. Here is my comfort. Jesus is not telling us to mourn. He's not telling us that we should be sad. What he's saying is, blessed are those who are brave enough to mourn. That's what Jesus is saying. Blessed are those who are brave enough to let themselves be seen by God and their community. Blessed are those who are brave enough to mourn, for they create space to encounter comfort from another. When we get honest about our pain, what we do is we open a door for comfort. But as long as we hide our pain from our community, and as long as we hide our pain from Jesus, then that door won't open for that comfort to come in. We've got to become vulnerable enough to become healed. Because as long as we hide, and as long as we shelter our pain from the world, then we'll actually build a big jail cell around our pain, and and Jesus can't even get in to heal us. So Jesus is saying, hey, blessed are those brave enough to mourn. I want to ask you a question today. Are you brave enough to mourn? I, I I want that to hit your heart. Like, are you brave enough to mourn today? It takes real courage to mourn. Real courage. You know why? Because mourning people are not pretty. They don't make for good Facebook posts. They don't make for good selfies. Mourning people are typically outcast. They are the people who don't have it all together and they look like it. You got to be brave to mourn. Because if you're willing to mourn, then you've got to face rejection from your community. Because far too often in our culture, when we have somebody that's in our friend group that is mourning and that is sad and that's going through something, rather than draw them close, we push them out. And we say, man, don't kill my vibe. Don't kill my vibe. I, I, can't, I can't manage that. I'm trying to have fun tonight, not talk about your grief and your pain. I'm tired of hearing about your depression and your anxiety. I'm just trying to have some fun. I'm just trying to pop bottles, eat some good food, have a little party. You know, I'm just trying to have some fun. But you're always messing with my vibe. Thank you, sir. See, thank you. Because y'all know it's true. Because I've been a pastor long enough to know that a lot of us in here struggle with depression. We wrestle with anxiety. We struggle with our pain. And even though we're afraid to let our community see it, even though we're afraid to let Facebook see it, even though we're afraid to let Instagram see it, God sees it. He sees it. We know it's there. If we just get honest about it with one another and with him, he'd rush in and heal it. But we can't receive the comfort as long as we're hiding behind it. See, Jesus is not making this announcement to you 
If you're not willing to get brave about your morning, the announcement's not for you. Which is why the Pharisees heard it and say, that ain't good news. It's because they were unwilling to get honest about their brokenness. They had built their identity on being perfect. They had built their identity on their long robes. They had built their identity on being religious. They had built their identity on being ministers. They had built their identity on prophesying or preaching. They had built their identity on their Facebook uh, you know, feeds or their Instagram followers because they had so many and everybody loved them on Twitter. And you know, they, they were just... You guys see what I'm saying? It's like they couldn't get honest because they had built too much of their identity around all of this other stuff. So they couldn't hear the announcement. That's what they said. Stone this man. He's talking crazy. He's talking out of his head. This ain't good news. He said he's declaring the gospel. This is bad news. I got it together. This ain't for me. And that's why he ate with sinners. That's why prostitutes followed him. Because they said he's got the words of life. He is preaching the gospel. This is the good news. Because I'm going to be honest. I am broken. I am busted. I am messed up. I don't have it together. I'm selling my body so that I can feed my kids. And that's why they said, Jesus said, yep, you're in. You're in. And that's why they followed. That's why they said, yeah, I'm in. You know, Jesus on the cross said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? One theologian who previously was an atheist, he read that in jail as an atheist, and he said, Here is a man who understands me. And he got saved. And he became a theologian. And I don't know where you are in your life, but I think that we all could identify with having an experience of feeling forsaken by God. Even though it's not true, doesn't mean we don't feel it. Because Jesus was never forsaken by God, but it doesn't mean he didn't feel that way. And it doesn't mean he didn't cry that out as your substitute so that you could identify with him whenever you feel forsaken by God, only to be resurrected on the third day for God to say, no, no, come up here. Be exalted at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. See, it ain't the good news for people who are unwilling to be brave enough to get vulnerable about their pain. Say, man, I'm a a lost cause, man. I'm messed up. I don't have it together. I'm not perfect. I'm not a finished work. I'm not the best. But I come as I am. I approach the throne of grace boldly and I ask God to put me back together again because I acknowledge that he is my only hope. It's not binge watching. It's it's, it's not TV. It's not entertainment. It's not alcohol. It's not food. But it's you. And those are the people that came before the Lord and he said, be healed. Blessed are you. But when we put our nose up and say, man, I don't need none of that. I'm fine. I'm good. I'm all right. Then the announcement's not for us. So are the Beatitudes good news to you? Or are they best served to somebody else? Uh, They're for that homeless guy panhandling down here that I'll see on my way out. They're not really for me. It doesn't really fit in this season of my life. So we take the Beatitudes and we, we get sentimental about them and we frame them and we say, look at this beautiful poetry. But how many of you guys know to get sentimental about Jesus is the religious way of ignoring Jesus? Yeah. 
That's what it is. It's just it's, it's ignoring the real lifestyle that Christ has called us into to forsake every other lover and follow him to pick up our cross and follow Jesus, regardless of the cost, regardless of the direction, regardless of the destination. We keep following because he's the only one with the words of life. I checked. I tried. I tried the drugs. I tried the alcohol. I tried the vacations. I tried the trips. I tried everything that I could to fill the void in my own life. But I can tell you guys today that the only thing that feels the broken cracks in my life is Jesus. That's the only thing. And, and this is what I feel God's calling us into as a family. It's, it's like another dimension of vulnerability. It's another dimension of honesty to say, man, I don't have it all together. So I throw myself at the foot of the cross and I, I ask you, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Are you brave enough to mourn? Are you brave enough to mourn? Are you willing to get honest about your grief and share it? We cannot continue living as though our goal in life is to minimize all mourning. The goal of your life is not to never experience pain or discomfort. But oftentimes we live as though the goal, like the singular goal, even though we don't say this, even though we don't communicate this, the underlying goal of our life is to never be uncomfortable. Like, I'm, like I, I'm, I'm just going to go in a little bit here. Is that okay, Sarah? Are you okay with it? She's like, yeah, sure, that's fine. I got permission. I'm ready. Is that even though we don't admit it, even though we don't say it like that, our, 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 our subconscious goal of life is just to never experience pain. So, so we minimize mourning and we distance ourselves from pain and we numb ourselves down through entertainment. And what we do is we live a very plain Jane, flat line existence where nothing ever gets too bad because we're protecting ourselves from that. But inversely, nothing is ever really that good. So we just kind of live this life, not the abundant life of Jesus Christ that he promised us, that he paid for on the cross. But we just sort of live this life like this, you know, nothing's ever that good. Nothing's ever that bad. I mean, talk to a millennial. You say, man, you know, uh, yeah, well, I don't care. I don't care. We don't care about anything. I don't care. How are you? I'm fine. How you doing? I'm fine. Man, like, you know, you talk, you talk to a millennial, and I, I, I am a millennial. I'm in, the, like, the oldest portion, and I will admit to you guys that I do this all the time. I never give myself permission to get excited about anything. Because I do not want to deal with the discouragement that might happen if it doesn't go the way I expect. So I never give myself permission to get excited about it. You know, I, I, was, I was preaching somewhere that I always wanted to preach, man. It was like my goal to preach there for years and years and years. It's like the biggest platform I could think of. And somebody said, man, are you excited to preach there? No big deal. It's no big deal. It's all good. It's no big deal. You excited, man? This is awesome. Yeah, I know you've been listening to our podcast for like 10 years. Eh? What do you think? Yeah, it's no big deal. It's all good. How many times have you booked a show or you had an opportunity and somebody's like, man, that's awesome. That's like your biggest venue you've ever played. No big deal. Man, that's awesome. Like you're going to get paid more than you ever had to do that thing. It's no big deal. It's fine. Oh, man, what, what about that, man? That's an awesome gig. That's such a great opportunity. You just got promoted. That's like the best job you've ever had. Yeah, yeah, it's nothing, man. It's nothing, man. It's nothing. Why is it nothing? 
Because we don't want to allow our hearts to get too excited because we may get disappointed. So we minimize and we live life in such a way to protect ourselves from discomfort and pain. So we never allow ourselves to get too excited about anything because we might get discouraged. But can I tell you guys something, church? That when you insulate yourself from discouragement, you insulate that same heart from joy. So you may live a life insulated from pain, but you'll also live a life insulated from joy. Because the very same door in your heart that opens up to receive discouragement is the very same door that opens up to receive joy. So if you're wondering, like, why are you never experiencing the abundance of joy that Jesus Christ paid for for you to have? Maybe you've been living your life in such a way to always minimize mourning and insulate yourself from pain and inadvertently insulated yourself from all joy. So you just live in this like, just everything's fine. Nothing's ever exciting. It's good. It's okay. It's good. It's bad. Who knows? Just having a normal day. You know, man, it's great to happen in your life. NBD. You guys know what I'm talking about because we do that all the time and we cannot insulate ourselves from pain in that situation. It's a both and situation. Insulate pain, then we insulate ourselves from joy and we don't receive joy. So let me ask you again. Are you brave enough to mourn? Because if you'll be brave enough to mourn and you'll be brave enough to visit the valleys, God will raise you up and lift you up on the mountaintops. But you got to be brave enough to go through the valleys. And can I tell you something? That there is no fruit that grows on the mountaintop. You might get to the top. You might summit the mountain. And you'll be standing up there looking at the land that you just conquered. But guess what's not there? Fruit. There's no fruitfulness on the mountaintop. To get some fruit, you got to go to the valley. you got to go through the low places. you got to go through those places where you can gather up a harvest. Where you can gather up some fruit. Because that's where the fruit is. But if you do your best to protect yourself from ever visiting those places, you'll just live a mediocre existence. And you know what the definition of mediocre is? Halfway up the mountain. Do you want to live halfway up the mountain? I don't, you know, because there's going to be ups and downs and that's okay. Because when you experience the lows, you get some fruit and that will sustain you on the mountaintop. So when you get up there, you won't experience a massive fall because you won't get too big for your britches. Yeah, look at all this. I did this. I'm awesome. Look at me. I'm the man. I'm awesome. I'm great. You know, because you remember, man, I remember when I was when I was low that day and my friend took me shopping for groceries with the three hundred dollars because my refrigerator was empty. So I can tithe and I can give offerings and I can I can be grateful and I can practice generosity because I know what the valley looks like. I've experienced the valley. And I don't need to minimize pain or insulate myself from mourning or disappointment because I know that my God is faithful and when I experience pain is when I experience blessing blessed are you when you mourn for you shall be comforted but Jesus doesn't comfort those that are not brave enough to mourn you insulate yourself from pain you insulate yourself from blessing are you brave enough to mourn here's the last point I don't want to go too much over time. Well, <laughs> you see what I deal with every week? We get excited. Pastor Maggie, you know, she's a kid's pastor, and so we try to make sure we let everybody out on time. So 
get your kids. You know, if, 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 if my first point was, are you brave enough to mourn? Here's my second point. Do you allow your friends to mourn? That's my second point. Do you allow your friends to mourn? Like, do you let them mourn? Because we don't, we don't ever allow ourselves to mourn, which is why we don't let anybody else mourn around us either. They're inconveniences. They kill our vibe. They get on our nerves. So we marginalize them until they get better. We may not say it like this, but we tend to quietly cut out the people in our lives that mourn. They become this major inconvenience to us. They don't fit into our feeds anymore. They drag us down. They slow us down. They become obstacles in the way on our pathway to success. And what is most sad about this is far too many times this happens to husbands, to wives, and to their kids. Is this we, that, that we do this to our own families. We don't even allow our own families to mourn. And, and, and we tell them something like this, uh, get over it. Just get over it. Can't you just get over that? And instead of sitting in the suffering long enough to develop some compassion. Because you know what the definition of compassion is? Shared pain. So if we never sit with the suffering long enough, then we'll have no capacity for compassion. And we'll be uncompassionate people and we'll wonder why don't we have a gift of mercy to help somebody when they're down and out. It's because everybody who's mourning is an inconvenience. And you marginalize the mourning and you kick people out that are in pain so that you can keep your feed nice and curated. Just make sure it looks good because I'm trying to present... You know, my best self to the world. I'm living my best life. What's up? And Jesus is like, I don't have an announcement for you. I don't have an announcement for you. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's why Jesus is like, hey, this is who the, who the gospel is for. Those who are brave enough to mourn. And those who are brave enough to let their community mourn. And keep them in community when they mourn. Hey, man. Hey, holler back when you, when you get over that. When you get over that girl that broke your heart, man, you come hang out with us again. But until then, man, just watch your Netflix, man. You're a buzzkill. When no one is allowed, <laughs> when no one is allowed to mourn around you, community actually becomes impossible for you. Because in the same way that I mentioned earlier, if you insulate your heart from pain, you insulate your heart from joy. If you insulate yourself from experiencing pain within your community, you insulate yourself from experiencing rich fellowship in community. Because rich fellowship is not created when everything's good. Fellowship is created when everything is bad. And when it costs you something to stay in the relationship, when they betray you, when they gossip about you, when they sell you out for 30 pieces of silver, you still get up after dinner, you wrap a towel around your waist, you stoop down so that you can grow up in the spirit and you wash the dirty feet of an imperfect person, Judas. And, and, and that's what Christ embodies and that's what he shows us. And this is what he says that God is like. You know, I, I think that, that far too often, especially in our church culture, that, you know, we've made Jesus as like this rock star, man. Like he wears all leather and he's got on his Chelsea's and their YSL. And, you know, he's, he's got his chain out and he's got his rollie on and he looks good. And he's on covers of magazines and everybody's blogging about him and he's Insta famous. And that's Jesus. But like the symbol of our faith 
is not an emoji. The symbol of our faith is not a smiley face. The symbol of our faith is a cross. And the cross is where God suffered. The cross is where God was crucified. The cross is where God mourned. And this is the very symbol of our faith. We can never allow ourselves to be embarrassed by the cross. We can never allow ourselves to distance ourselves from this reality that that we serve a king that was crucified. What a paradox. He grieved, he mourned. One last scripture, Romans 12 and 15, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. You guys all know that very well. And as we're finishing, I I, I would like to do that. Um, And in in, in no way, in no way, I don't don't even know if James is still here or not. I don't know. He may have left. I don't know if he's here. James is still here. Awesome. I want to pray for James. And and you can just stay right there. He doesn't have to, doesn't have to move on. But just to practice and to comfort James. James's three-year-old daughter passed away on Thursday. And he's here this morning, absolutely tragic, absolutely sudden, absolutely unexpected. And James is mourning today. And I I want us as the church to get around James and to comfort him and to pray for him. I know that our words and our touch, uh, it, it can't change what's happened. It can't change the outcome. But we can comfort him and we can mourn with him. And we can say, James, you're a part of our community and you're a part of our family. I know that you're new here, but we feel this with you and we get in it with you. And we pray for you and we cover you. And you don't, you don't have to feel any pressure to get up. I just, I just want to, uh, I want us to cover James today and pray for him. James, it was, it was, it was great to have you here this morning. And I'm going to come back because we're all, we're all coming back, man. So James, as as we lay hands on you today, brother, we just say that we're with you. We don't have the right words. We don't have a perfect prayer. But what we have, we give to you, which is our love and our compassion. And we sit with you and we mourn with you, brother. Jesus, we ask for peace. Jesus, we ask for comfort. Jesus, we ask that your promise will become real this morning. Blessed are those who mourn, for they should be comforted. We just extend our comfort today. name we pray and the church said amen if you guys don't mind a few of you guys here around them um, James feel free just you can sit there as long as you want to sit there a few of you guys here around them you can keep your hands on them and just hug them and we don't want to overwhelm them or be too much but we just want you to know James that we're standing with you
if you don't mind, just find somebody around you real quick and put a hand on their shoulder. This is how we'll finish today. And it's not often at church that you get the opportunity to finish a service like, like this. But our goal is not to build a brand, but to grow a family. So it's okay. So as a family, just speak life over one another right now. And I speak courage over one all of us. God, that we would stop numbing ourselves that we would stop pretending, that we would stop with the facades, that we would stop with the images of my life is all together, all the time, I never have problems, that we would stop just existing, God, and we would start living an abundant life in Christ, that we'd be willing to mourn, that we'd be willing to experience an abundance of joy, that we'd get honest before you and before one another. Lord, would you take this community and grow us and help us become a family. We're not saying family, God, because we're trying to create a marketing plan. We're saying family, God, because we believe that's what you're drawing us into. It is the prophetic destiny of this family that we truly behave as family. And even though we're not, we're not gonna always get it right, God, that we would stay in it and stay in relationship. Not, not, to, a, not to a ministry, but to one another as children of God. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. If you can, find, you know, find 5, 10, 15 people around you. I mean, they're all here. Give them a big hug. Give them a big hug or a high five and just bless them real good. As you guys are walking out today, you'll see a video on the screen of the closeout. Um, second half of the video of Harvey. We love you guys deeply. We bless you. We thank you so much for coming to Legacy today. Today was an amazing day of community. Amen.